0: We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today, amen? Amen. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. We're in a rooted series, and we are rooted in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. He's the Holy Spirit of God, if that's more palatable. Some people get freaked out with the word ghost. He's the Holy Spirit of God. He is the Spirit of God. He's not a spirit from God. He is the Spirit of God. Amen. You don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. Amen. Many times people are, they're okay with God the Father, they're okay with God the Son, but God the Holy Spirit freaks them out. They're all the same. So if you don't have to be afraid of God the Father, you don't have to be afraid of God the Son, they're one. Amen? In the same way, you don't have to be afraid of God's Holy Spirit. Amen? And so today, I want you to gain revelation and understanding about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about the ability to speak in the language that the Holy Spirit gives you. Now, you might have been raised in a place where they don't believe in that, they don't practice that. That's fine. Let me at least present the information to you, and then you can make a decision at the end. Or you can just tuck it in your heart and say, God, if that's of you, I'll have it, I'll take it, but I'll let you do it in your own good pleasure. But I ask that you don't just throw up walls because of some past experience you had with someone that moved in or said it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has never hurt you. There may, be of some, there may have been someone who used the name of the Holy Spirit to hurt you, but the Holy Spirit did not hurt you. People can make mistakes. People can say Jesus said or Jesus did, and Jesus didn't do any of that. And so I just would like to deliver you from some of that bias or some of that fear of the Holy Spirit. Because for you to grow into the fullness of God, for you to become the fullness that God has paid for you to become, you're going to have to become comfortable with the Holy Spirit of God. You cannot do Christianity the way Jesus intended it, the way God envisioned it, without the Holy Spirit of God. So a a belief system, a theology, a practice that does not include the Holy Spirit is deficient. Are you understanding that? And so today we want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Are you open? You ready? You ready to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning? Amen. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, if you would please, and your notebooks, and let's jump into Acts chapter one. Acts chapter one. Let's go ahead and start here on the, you know, right before the day of Pentecost, Jesus was ascending. He had died, he'd been resurrected, he'd been preaching uh, with them for like 40 days, teaching on the kingdom. And here in the book of Acts, chapter one, verse four, in verse 8. We'll kind of start with this conversation here. Once he was eating with them, Jesus was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he's promised. The King James Version or some of your other Bibles may just call it the promise of the Father. Write that down in your notes, the promise of the Father. Say promise. (laughs) Promise. Promise of the Father. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now the word baptized is the idea of being immersed. Do you remember that? When someone gets baptized in water, you see us do that every few months up here. We baptize individuals and they go completely in. You become immersed in God's Holy Spirit. Isn't that great? Totally covering you, submerging you in, what I love about that is that means anything that tries to touch you in this life has to pass through the Holy Ghost. He becomes your your covering, your protection. He becomes the power, the favor that surrounds you like a shield. Amen. You're not alone. That's what this message is about today. That Jesus didn't just save you and forgive you and say, see you in heaven. He didn't just save you and forgive you and say, see you later. He said, I've saved you and I've forgiven you, now I'm going to fill you and baptize you with myself. Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, It's not some other spirit, not an angelic spirit. He is God. And so that was the promise. Say promise. What I like about that is a promise is an anticipated thing. So when Jesus is saying, hey, there's a promise coming. That's not a threat from God. It's meant to be something that causes anticipation. Like when I promise my kids something, believe me, they will hold me to whatever it is I promised. Even if I accidentally promised it. I didn't even know I promised it. But if, I, if, it, if, I, if it passed my lips, it's done. But you know, that's the same way we need to be about the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This was not to hurt you, not to harm you. This was not a threat. This was not God saying, I'm going to do something bad to you. This is God saying, I promise you something good. I promise you something great. Now be like one of those kids in my house and in your house that refused to be denied what was promised. Amen. Desire it, want it, receive it, be open to it. The gift of the Spirit. Amen. Verse 8. Go down to verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That word power there in the Greek, many of you have heard this, but some of you are new to church. The word power there in the Greek is the word dunamis, or the, what we would get the word dynamite from. The power that comes into your life in the Holy Spirit is an explosive power. It's not just a little bit of power, it's, it's enough power to blow the enemy away, to blow open doors, to blow off break off chains. There is a spiritual component to Christianity that we have to get back to. It's not just behavior modification, it's not just attending church. You have been saved by grace and you have been given this ability to be baptized into the Holy Spirit so that you can walk in this earth not like mere mortals, but spirit-empowered, spirit-led individuals, where it's not God up there, but God comes and resides in here. And what I love about the idea of residing, it's different than the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, you'd see prophets and priests and and judges, that the Holy Spirit would come upon them in a moment, in a flash, and then he wouldn't be there, and he would come and go at different times. But for you, my friend, you're in a new and better covenant. Where the Holy Spirit doesn't come on you and leave you and come on you and leave you, he comes and abides. He comes and fills. He resides. The power resides in you. What does that mean? Why is that beneficial? Let me tell you. It's beneficial because on your good days and on your bad days, there's power in you. On the days you feel like you're good enough for it and the days you don't feel worthy for it, you're still anointed with the Holy Spirit of God. You're still empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, empowered enough to come out of that pit you're in, empowered enough to overcome that sin that knocked you down, that makes you feel not worthy. The Holy Spirit, the helper, doesn't leave you when you need help. He wouldn't be much of a helper if he left you every time you needed help. Are you understanding this? Amen. You will be baptized with power. You can also use the word abilities. Please write these things in your notes. You're going to want to look back on them. Power, abilities. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem throughout Judea Samaria to the ends of the earth. This is an important conversation. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I want to help you see that this is something that we seek and it's something that we have that we ask God for this promise. Open your Bibles if you would please in the book of Acts chapter 8. I just want to get into this for a minute as we kind of progress in this conversation. It's This baptism, this this immersion into his spirit, these powers. Now, there is precedence where God gives this baptism kind of spontaneously. Acts chapter 10, he does that with Cornelius. But I want you to see, because I think it's important, that being saved and forgiven doesn't just automatically include this idea of the baptism. This idea of being endued with power that Jesus was talking about in Acts chapter 1. We have biblical precedence, this is why I want you to see this, that by faith you're saved through the grace of God when you've placed your faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit does a regeneration work, turns you into a new creature, a new creation. But just because the Holy Spirit is present and helping you in your new believer, in your new faith in Christ, there's this another level of saying God I have been forgiven I've been washed now I'm open fill me with yourself fill me with your power for service fill me with your anointing for service the reason I say that is if you've not asked or sought or or pursued God God would you please fill me with this Holy Spirit would you please baptize me with power there's an opportunity here to ask for more There's an opportunity here and it's not just something that happens like just because you prayed a prayer of salvation now i'm not limiting god like i said it with cornelius in acts chapter 10 he baptized in the holy spirit without asking (laughs) i love that they're just in church and all of a sudden they start speaking in tongues and didn't even know what it was but we have precedence that you can be saved give your life to god be water baptized and there's still this next level, next step of saying, all right, I'm, I'm open. Fill me with your Holy Spirit now. Fill me with power now. So I just want to show you that in Scripture. Is that okay? Can I do that? Acts chapter 8, verse 12 through 17. So Philip was a New Testament character. that was an evangelist. And he was in Samaria, and he was holding a great revival. People were coming to Christ by the droves. And the disciples hear about it uh, in Jerusalem. And so they send a couple of the disciples to the revival, not to bring people to Christ, because people are already coming to Christ, but to make sure those new believers were baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what we see here in Acts chapter 8, verse 12. But now the people believed Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. That's talking about water. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He was like a sorcerer that had gotten saved, praise God. He began following Philip, that was the evangelist, wherever he went. He was amazed at the signs and great miracles that Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. So you see there was a a gap there. There was a delay. There was revival going on. People were being baptized in water. They were believing the message of the gospel. But the disciples from Jerusalem wanted to make sure that they didn't just believe in Christ, but they were receivers of the promise. Verse 16, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. I just want you to see that just because these believers were repentant, asked Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior, were water baptized, there was this other ability, there was this other immersion, this other filling of power that was available that if they hadn't been made aware of it, if they hadn't asked for it, they might have walked for years and not know what they were missing and not know how much more ability, more power was available to them. I also want you to see that the apostles of the early church thought this message was so important that they didn't want to just count souls saved in Samaria saying, look, there's hundreds of people, thousands of people giving their life to Jesus in Samaria, they followed it up with a great urgency and compassion, saying, we need to go make sure not only they're saved, but they're filled with the Holy Spirit, which shows that the early church and the founding fathers, the apostles, believed that this was for every believer. Say, every believer. believer. It wasn't enough for them just to say, well, they prayed a prayer and they were bought or baptized. They wanted to make sure that these believers were filled with power. They weren't just forgiven, they were overcomers. That they look like Jesus in the earth. Because you know what? Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus was sinless, praise God, you're forgiven of your sins, but he was then anointed with power to go destroy the works of the devil. That's this power, that's this baptism. You see this same conversation again So you can see it, it's in Scripture again in Acts chapter 10. We talked about Acts chapter 10 just a little bit ago with Cornelius, so let's go ahead and take a look at it. So Peter's preaching to Cornelius and his family in Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. Say Gentiles. That would be non-Jewish individuals, okay? For they heard them speaking in other tongues. Say tongues. Why do people get freaked out with the word tongues? It just means language. They were speaking in languages they did not learn. They were speaking in languages that the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak. And they were praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to them being water baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? How did he know they received the Holy Spirit? Because he heard them speaking in a language that they did not learn. And that was a big deal because in, up to that point, um, they some people did not believe that Jesus was available to anyone that was outside the nation of Israel, anyone that was outside the Jewish faith. And so Peter going into the house of a non-Jewish person, into the house of a Gentile, he was going to receive criticism for that because they were not supposed to go into the house of a Gentile. But God had given him a vision and told him he needed to do this. And so he did it by faith. And then God baptizes these Gentiles with the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, wow, God must accept them the way he's accepted us because he's filled them with the same Holy Spirit he filled us with. And I can know that for certainty because they're expressing the same supernatural sign that we expressed when we received the baptism. See, it's same, 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 so that he could have confidence, I can water baptize these people because God must have accepted them. He's already baptized them in the Spirit. Who can criticize me for water baptizing them into Christ because God's already baptized them in the Holy Spirit? There's so much in that one verse. I have so much to tell you today. But it was, I think it's a beautiful thing that the, there's only one Holy Spirit. Say one Holy Spirit. Which is the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Amen. Dwells in you. you got to understand this. And so... There's a couple things that happened when Peter see the, sees the Gentiles baptized in the Holy Spirit. One, he realized God accepts the Gentiles. Do You understand, if you're not born Jewish, that is for each and every one of us. That that moment in Acts chapter 10 is the most beautiful moment because if, you're not, if you have a Jewish lineage, that is for you. That God accepts you the same way he accepted the Jews when they gave their life to Jesus. Okay? So that's number one. That you are accepted just like God's covenant people of the Old Testament. The next thing that it says is that the same Holy Spirit that was in the disciples, the apostles, the founders of the church that turned the world upside down, is the same spirit that goes into these Gentiles. It's not a different Holy Spirit. Same, same. Same spirit, same spirit. And how do they know it? Because same sign, same sign. Amen. Which means even those Gentiles have the same capacity and potency that the apostles did. You may not know their names. They didn't write any of the epistles. You don't know them except Cornelius's name. But the whole household, old and young, all got baptized in the same Holy Spirit. And they have the same ability to turn the world upside down that Peter and John and Andrew and Nathan and Bartholomew and all of them received on the day of Pentecost. And then let's fast forward 2,000 years because it doesn't age. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So now when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can have confidence that the same Holy Spirit today is the same Holy Spirit given and received in Acts chapter 1, that same power that was promised, that was received in Acts chapter 2, that was promised in Acts chapter 1, is the same, the same, 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 same. But you're like, I'm just a little old person, but you're filled with the same big Holy Ghost that Peter and John and Bartholomew and Philip and Mary and all of them were baptized in. You lack nothing to do the call of God and to overcome the devil and to chase out sin out of the city and to turn, cast the occult out of a city and to change your family line. You have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that was in the apostles is in you. Amen. We make the apostles like they're way up here and you're way down here. But you know what scripturally, The Bible says that they were the foundation. You are the walls and the roof and the ceiling. Are you understanding? What the apostles did is not the cap of what you can believe for. It was supposed to be chapter 1 of the book of Acts. We're supposed to be writing the story. We're supposed to be 2,000 years further in our practice, in our authority, in our dominion. We're like, oh, I can never be like them. You were never supposed to be like them. We were supposed to learn from them and go from glory to glory to glory to glory. We've turned them into statues and to icons thinking we could never be them, but yet we weren't supposed to be like them. We're supposed to grow into the full measure, the full stature of Christ. And that's going to happen with the help of the Holy Spirit because the re- one of the reasons the Spirit comes into your life is to help you do and become everything Jesus paid for you to do and become amen. not in your strength but in his not by might not by power but by my spirit says the lord amen so i have this illustration just to kind of help us because in the scriptures i read to you there was this idea of being forgiven giving your life to Christ, but then there was this additional ask. God, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Baptize them with your Holy Spirit. If you go through the book of Acts, you're gonna hear a phrase, baptize, fill, and receive the Holy Spirit. It's all speaking of the same idea, just trying to give you different illustrations. So you'll hear, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? You'll hear they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Or you'll hear them ask, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They're all referring to the same concept, this promise of the Father coming into the life of the believer. Did you follow me with that? Yeah. So you can write that in your notes. So you can look it up later. Filled, received, uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit. But the idea is this. When you are saved, when you give your life to Jesus, you are purchased. Say purchased. Purchased. I bought the glass back. Last week we talked about being redeemed, being bought back. Not just forgiven, but being brought back into the household of God. Amen. You have been redeemed. He's, he's, he he paid, paid a payment to redeem you like a coupon at a store. Or I re, I'm redeeming this. I am purchasing this for myself. You have been paid for, redeemed, bought back by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then you you were not only bought and brought into the house of God by the blood of Jesus Christ, you were washed. Say washed. So you were bought. Bought from sin, bought from Satan, bought from death, hell. And bought in and brought in to the household of faith, the household of God. And then you were washed, he's washed you with that same blood. That blood purchased you and that blood has washed you, cleansed you. You are pure and holy in his sight. Now this is one of the things I love about this Holy Spirit conversation is how holy that God must make you by his blood and grace because now you can contain the Holy Spirit of God if you were still polluted if you were still dirty if you were still sinful you cannot contain the Holy Spirit of God in the Old Testament they couldn't even walk into the presence of the Holy Spirit because their sin would would cause them to die you couldn't touch the Ark of the Covenant you couldn't touch the Holy of Holies you couldn't do that not because God was angry because he was too holy People think God was mean. No, it was like touching pure electricity, putting your finger in an electric socket and not having the capacity to conduct it. You can't get mad at electricity for being powerful. You can't get mad at God for being holy. Come on, are you understanding this? You can't get mad at God for being who He is. He's holy. But now, that same spirit that would have killed you. You can carry you wonder why we shout, why we sing, why we dance, why we celebrate in the grace of God, Grace has found me. One of the things I love about Sarah's voice is there's a passion and a pleading, and there's this all like consuming, she's all in that voice. And it's there's this gratefulness that Grace has found me until the church really appreciates the grace that has found them, came looking for them, will never be of any effect. We'll just come to church and play games. We'll come to church and be super critical and judge everything and everyone. The devil will be totally happy with you living in this tomb until the day you go to heaven and you die. But you'll never be a child of God until you figure out the grace of God. You celebrate it like it means something to you. You share it like it means something to you. You live like it means something to you, amen. But this conversation about the Holy Spirit is so powerful because it shows you how, what a quality work the G, that the blood of Jesus did. Because now you can be filled with God's Spirit. Which means it doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter if you feel holy. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Yeah, I am. How do I know I'm filled with the Holy Ghost? because I can sense his abiding presence, but also because I have a sign, something that I couldn't do before, that I can do now. I can pray in languages that I did not learn. It's given to me as a gift. And so then even on my bad days, when I've sinned and fallen short again, and I can still pray in tongues, that's just showing me once again that the Holy Spirit is still with me, he's in me, he's filled me, He hasn't left me, and he's gonna help me overcome that addiction, he's gonna help me overcome that sin pattern. Are you understanding this? I'm still filled with his Holy Spirit, and I must still be holy because the Holy Spirit is still with me, and he'll never leave me or forsake me. Are you understanding? But it shows you how holy, what a great work the blood of Jesus did in washing and cleansing you. But you weren't purchased and washed, To just sit in a cabinet somewhere you were purchased and washed so that you might be what filled he didn't purchase you and cleanse you so you could stay the same he prepared you so that you would be filled so that you could be filled And that's what this conversation, that's why the disciples were so passionate about, quick, get to Samaria, get to Samaria. These individuals, they've been bought, they've been forgiven, they've been washed, now let's fill them. Now let's fill them. Let's make sure. Matter of fact, there was so much occultic practice going on in that city, no wonder they wanted to make sure that the Holy Spirit was in these believers so they could push back on the witchcraft that was going on in their city. Because... Amen. Because God didn't tell human beings to defeat the devil. He was gonna do it through you. He's gonna fill you. Are you getting anything out of this so far? So, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about abilities. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is about abilities. God's making you able. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, you can write it down in your notes. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible talks about Jesus being anointed and filled with God's spirit. For God baptized, for, Je- for Jesus of Nazareth. How does it go? I just forgot it. For God, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Bible says, with the Holy Spirit and power. There's a power in that coming of the Holy Spirit in you. And then what did Jesus do with it? He went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Say able. God's Holy Spirit is to help you become able to do and become everything Jesus paid for you to do and become. He helps you become able. He gives you abilities, power, powers to do and become everything Jesus paid for you to do and become. And I love it that the Holy Spirit is not sent into our lives just to make you feel good. It's not about goosebumps or just the little feels. I love that, I love it when we get into worship and you get all the feels, you're like, "Mm." (laughs) mmm. It's fine, yummy Holy Spirit, I get it. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we forget that you have been baptized for the sake of power to bring change, power to do good, and heal all oppression that the devil causes in your family. Write that down. In your family, in your city, in your church. If the devil is up to something, you are empowered to stop it. You are empowered to stop You're the church. You're the body of Christ. You're filled with the Spirit. Amen. And so the Holy Spirit, write this down. The Holy Spirit was not given to you to simply feel good, but to do good. Not just to feel good, but to do good. In uh, 1, Corinthians tw- or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just write it down for later. There's a whole chapter there. I won't have time to go through it today. There's all these gifts of the spirit. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, um, discerning of spirits, prophecy, healing, miracles, all these different things. You can categorize these gifts in abilities. Write these categories of abilities down and look it up later. It just gives you an idea of the spirit and a believer. The ability to know beyond your ability to know. Write that down. There's abilities like the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. That's the ability to know beyond your ability to know. So what's the value, Pastor Kevin? What's the value of this spirit-filled thing? What's the value of this Holy Spirit thing? The ability to know beyond what you know. Because the baptism is about abilities. God making you able. Say "Able." able. To do what you can't do. To know what I don't know. There's three gifts of the Spirit in Acts chapter 12 that help you to know something. There's three gifts of the Spirit that help you to say something. To speak what you don't have the ability to speak. Like a word of prophecy coming up here on the platform. That's not just information coming out. That's impartation coming out. Which then has the power for transformation for those who receive that impartation, who mix it with faith and obedience. So this, these these abilities, 1 Corinthians 12, you'll know there's three categories, the ability to know something, ability to speak something, and then the third category in 1 Corinthians 12 is the ability to do something. Working of miracles, healings, tongues, interpretation of tongues. But the reason I break that up is the Holy Spirit comes upon your life to help you know what you wouldn't have known without him, to help you say what you couldn't have said without him, to have the power that comes out of, the, of what's being said that you don't have in your own self. But then there's the ability to do, to do what you couldn't do. Whether that's living victorious over sin, or whether it's casting the devil out of your family line, generations, whether it's creating a company that you don't have the education for, he helps you to Know what you couldn't know, say what you couldn't have said, and do what you couldn't have done. Isn't he amazing? Can you just celebrate the Holy Spirit and God's (laughs) gifts given to you? (laughs) Write this down in your notes, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. We don't have time for it, but um, just write it down, because you'll see in in the Bible reading that when the baptism of the Holy Spirit first comes onto the church, they begin speaking in languages, different languages from all over the region. And other individuals hear them speaking in those languages and they begin to glorify God. And so I want you to just see that and know, because I want to get into the tongue talk for a second. Can we get into a tongue talk for a second? Does God do that kind of thing? Does God just randomly give out languages? Right? because if there's precedence or something maybe else that I can see, uh, maybe it'll give me some peace about it. I would just encourage you at some point this week to go to Genesis chapter 11. In Genesis chapter 11, we see in the Old Testament where God, in a moment, handed out languages at what's called the Tower of Babel. So if you want to know the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever... Does God really enable people to speak languages they didn't learn? The answer goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. The precedence goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Yes, the man, the one who formed man's mouth, can deposit a language. Can deposit a language. Amen. But why would he do that? Why would he do that? Why would he give you a language that you wouldn't understand? Or didn't he know that in 2021, people would make fun of people who speak in tongues? (laughs) Let me tell you, back in, what, AD 33 to 34, they were already making fun of people speaking in tongues. On day one... They made fun of people speaking in tongues. Amen? They said that they sounded like they were drunk. And the Bible says it's too early for them to be drunk, so it's it's not drunk. Didn't deny that if it happened later in the day, it could have been. It's much, much too early, so surely they're not drunk. But listen, God doesn't give you the Holy Spirit and the ability to speak in a language you didn't learn to make you weird. He gives you the ability to speak in a language you didn't learn to make you able. It goes back to abilities. To make you able to say something that you couldn't say without his ability to say it. Let me say it like this. Words are very important to God. That's why the devil hates tongues. Tongues. Because words matter to God. Because with your mouth, you can bind and you can loose. With your mouth, you can build up or you can tear down. With your mouth, you can set a whole forest on fire. The devil wants your tongue. And he wants you to say what he wants you to say. God wants your tongue. So you can say what he helps you to say. Words matter. So it doesn't matter. The reason the devil wants you to resist the idea of speaking in a language given to you by God, is because words become the sword of the Spirit through your mouth. And he wants to take away your weapons. Do you understand this? And then belittle it and humiliate it and make you feel embarrassed. I am not embarrassed that I speak in languages that I did not learn. Because I know the value and the purpose of it. It's not about just demonstrating I can do this. Da, 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 da. It's not a, it's not like a circus act. Hey, do it, do it. Let me hear it. It's not a, I'm not a sideshow. Speaking in tongues is speaking the will of God into the earth. Speaking the will of God into the earth. Let's establish something. I'll talk to you about the value, and we're gonna pray. Let's just establish this in Matthew chapter six, verse 10. Can we just establish this together? Jesus teaching us how to pray, Matthew 6, verse 10, he told us to pray like this, our Father is in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Our prayer life, what comes out of our mouth, is in partnership and responsible in bringing God's will from heaven to earth. Did you hear what Jesus was saying in his prayer? Your will be done on the earth, pray like this, Your O Father in heaven, your will be done on the earth. He is not telling you to pray that to make you feel good. He's telling you to pray that because he's depending on you praying. Because your prayer really has authority. Your prayer really has importance. And so if we can get far enough in our belief system that our prayers make a difference, our prayers matter, that we are partly responsible to bringing the will of God from heaven into the earth because it must be prayed into the earth. Now it begins to make sense why God wants to lead our tongue in prayer. Amen? I have a final illustration. Write this down. Pray beyond the wall. Pray beyond the wall. Say it after me. Pray beyond the wall. Say it again. Pray beyond the wall. Thank you. This is one of the values of praying in the language that the Holy Spirit gives you. Praying in the Spirit is something that you can do and activate by your choice. You don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit just to help you do it. You can engage in prayer. Engage when you need it. Engage when you're in a place of desperation. Engage that gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 14 through 15. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well then, what shall I do? I will, by a choice of my will, I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words that I understand. I will sing in the spirit, and I will sing with words I don't understand. So why is there a value to be able to pray even when you don't understand what you're saying out of your mouth? Pastor Kevin, I just need to know, why is that important? Why would God want me to do that? To be able to pray without my brain necessarily engaging and knowing what's coming out of my mouth. And my answer to you is to pray beyond the wall. There's different walls that we face in our prayer life, or different walls that we face in our journey of faith. Write this one down, the wall of ignorance. The wall of ignorance, say it, the wall of ignorance. Now imagine this, there is something of God and the will of God on this side of the wall. Breakthrough, promise, prosperity, your, your business turning around, your marriage turning around, your country, your city turning around. There's a will of God over here. But I got a wall, and the wall's called ignorance. My mind, my natural mind can't see this. So how can I pray it into existence when I can't see it? I have a wall of ignorance. I have limited information. Write these things down. What creates that wall of ignorance? Limited information. So if I'm praying for my country and my only hope of information is Fox News and CNN, I am limited in what I'm to be praying because I get I only get the information that people will give me. That's right, that's right. Or what about the gossip chain and people are saying something about you or your kids or your family or something and, and, and you're only hearing one side of the story? You have limited limited information, but there is a breakthrough over here. There is a life over here of freedom. And we are praying God's will into the earth. But if I'm only praying what I understand or the information that I have, I am limited because of the wall of ignorance. I may be praying the wrong thing. I may be praying that someone is removed from a situation when that's not the real answer. Someone else needs to be brought in. Or maybe this person needs to stay, but something needs to happen in conjunction with that but I am praying with a wall of ignorance. I have limited information. Or in this culture, we have a complete lack of it. People are saying, you should do this, you should do that. Social media says, 80% of the country says you should do this. Well, I don't care what 80% of the country says I should do. What does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? Are you understanding this? And if we're praying God's will into the earth, his will is over here. But I have a lack of information. I have a lack, or I have incorrect information. Completely incorrect information. How about this? Your child comes in at night, and you're like, where have you been? They're like, oh, we were just at the movies. (laughs) But you're praying in the Holy Ghost over here, and they're withholding information. And you're like, eh, you weren't at the movies. I saw you in the back seat of that car. I saw you at that club. I saw you in the spirit. I saw you. Because, you know, God sees it, right? The cool part about God is he can tell you what he sees on the other side of the wall. So that you're not limited by lies, by misdirection, by lack of information. Do you understand how able this makes you? How unlimited this makes you. This is a valuable gift. I can also have a wall of ignorance based on my own bias. Sometimes you're your own problem, your prejudice, your anger, your hurt. Because Stephen Covey said this in his books we don't see the world as it is, we see the world as we are. How many times have you tried to control or manipulate a situation based on your own opinion, based on your own bias, based on your own judgment or offense? Are you seeing this? And so praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, allows God to pray his solution, his perfect will, completely disregarding your prejudice, your bias, your lack of information, your misinformation. So that he can get you the future that he's promised without you getting your little fingerprints all over it. He prays beyond the wall. So that his will can get into your kids, get into your business, get into your life. Amen. So there's a wall of ignorance. There's also a wall of emotions. Say emotions. There's a wall of Emotions. Disappointment. So God is wanting to talk to you about your future and your finance, but you've lost a job or you were fired or you were betrayed, and you can't even imagine starting another business or m- getting into another marriage when the first one didn't work out. Or ex- You can put anything over here, whatever this is, but your disappointment can affect your prayer life. Do you believe that? Do you know that? Or maybe you were praying for someone to be healed and they didn't see it on this side of eternity, they went to heaven, so now someone else is needing you to pray, but your emotional wall is in the way. You can't even pray for their healing anymore because of your disappointment. You can't pray like they need you to pray because you can't get through the muck of your own emotions. We've got to know this about ourselves, that we can get a little emotional. And our emotions can be a hindrance. They're not all bad. God gave us emotion. But the ability to pray beyond my brain, beyond my understanding, the Spirit takes up with my mouth and prays the perfect will of God into your life, into your family, into your situation, disregarding whatever emotional baggage you might have brought in. Isn't that great? So what if it takes you six months to work off that, or not work it off, but like to figure out how to finally let the baggage go, but you don't have six months before that breakthrough needs to happen. Amen? There's disappointment, write this down. There's fear. There's fear about the future, fear about failure again, fear about people rejecting you, fear about man's opinion and anxiety about it. There's doubt that can creep in. And that's all a wall, it's all a wall. Disappointment, fear, doubt, anger, hurt, pain, all of these things can become a wall where I can't even get myself to pray what God is trying to do over here. My heart can't even get there. It's so wounded right now, I can't even pray about my future because my heart is so hurt from my present. Can you hear this? But yet God has made you able beyond your understanding to literally pray something that you aren't currently mature enough to pray for right now or ready enough to pray for right now, but he's, He loves you so much, He's not gonna let your life be stopped by your current hurt, your current disappointment, your current fear. Your God loves you so much more than you realize. And he's praying things that you aren't even ready to receive, but yet he's going to do things beyond what you could ask, think, or imagine. But it still has to be prayed. Amen. It still has to be received by faith, built in the spirit realm. Yes. Created in the spirit realm. Amen. But because of this wall of emotion, some of us aren't even ready to pray those things. Let me give you an for instance. It could be prayers I'm not mature enough to pray or prayers I don't currently have enough faith for to pray. Some of you in this room right now, you, you're, 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 you're at a place um, where you're just trying to get by every day. Just trying to make it, just trying to make it, just trying to make it. And God is not insensitive to that current position. But he already sees five years from now when you own this big company and you're employing a thousand employees? Are you understanding this? But because of your current, just trying to make it, just trying to put the bills together, just trying to figure it out, like you can't even imagine, you can't, if you started praying a prayer that big, you would feel disingenuous, you would feel like you were just mocking stuff and it wasn't, you know, it was just fantasy. But God is trying to get you to pray something so that you have a future. Or it could be your child who's gone astray, and right now they're addicted. They're on drugs. They're all this crazy stuff. I have an, a, a testimony of a guy in our old church who is, um, uh, he was completely addicted to all kinds of stuff. And that was just actually Pastor Norma. We were in a prayer service at church or a revival service. His mom had him, her prophesy on a phone. He didn't, even, he didn't even answer the phone. He was strung out with his friends at a party and he listened to it later and it sobered him. Now that day he didn't get his life right but it changed the trajectory of his life. And you fast forward now like a year or two or three later He's completely cleaned up. Now, five, six years later, he's one of our best missionaries in Zimbabwe and he's gonna go lead all the missions work in the nation of Egypt. Yeah, for the missions organization that he's now a part of. Mama couldn't see that here. Here, he's rebellious. Here, he's addicted. Here, she just wants him to survive. But someone somewhere praying in the Holy Spirit was already praying about him being an area director for the land of Egypt to to be an overseer over hundreds of missionaries that would bring a gospel message to that Muslim nation. Do you see the value of this? Wall of ignorance, wall of emotion, finally the wall of challenge. There's real problems you're currently facing. Could be a genuine sickness. Could be a genuine lack of money right now. That's real. And it's a problem. It's in your way. It's a real thing. A loss of a job. Even in the culture, it could just be bad timing. Like people are like, man, this is the worst time to start a business right now. Worst time to do this. It doesn't matter because you're already, you're not looking at circumstances to limit your prayer life. You're able to pray beyond the wall, beyond the the real challenges that you might face. Rather than letting the challenges dictate your prayers, the Holy Spirit controls your prayers. Don't let the challenges dictate the prayers you pray. Don't let them limit. Don't let the famine in the land limit your belief in prayer life. And if you can't get your eyes off the famine, then just by faith engage in the Holy Ghost and let Him pray prayers that you're not mature enough or have faith enough to pray right now. He's your helper, and he helps you do things that you could not do, say things you could not say, know things that you could not know on your own. I want you to go ahead and stand as we close in a word of prayer today. Did you get anything out of that this morning? Did you get anything out of that today? Pray beyond the wall. Pray beyond the wall. God's Holy Spirit has been given to make you able. Can I call the altar team to come down to the front? We're gonna get ready to pray for you. Perhaps that's you, you're ready. You're ready to receive the fullness of God's spirit and the fullness of God's baptism in your life. But before we do that, let's go back to this conversation. I won't pick up the glass, it's too full right now. But that conversation about letting him wash you and cleanse you. He wants to fill you and make you holy. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need a savior, the wages and penalty of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible goes on to say that all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so today I want to give you that opportunity to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to wash you, to buy you into his family, to wash you, cleanse you, and prepare you to be filled with his Holy Spirit. Today, if you have never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you an opportunity to do it. I'm gonna count to three and when I do, just want you to put your hand up wherever you are and we'll pray for you. You're gonna ask Jesus Christ to be your your God, your Savior. Maybe you've never prayed that prayer or maybe at one time you had a relationship with God but you walked away. Today is saying, God, I I wanna recommit myself 100% and let God just put his arms around you once again and say, you're mine, you belong to me, you're washed, you're forgiven. So if you all bow your head and close your eyes for the next 30 seconds, let me just ask that question. You say, Pastor Kevin, I've never given my life to Jesus and I'd like to today. I wanna call on the name of the Lord to save me. Or I wanna recommit my life 100% to him today. When I count to three, just simply raise your hand. We're gonna pray a prayer of faith right at your seat wherever you are, ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you put your hand up today? We'll pray for you. There's a hand right there. Thank you, I see your hand. Anybody else today? I want to get right with the Lord. There's a second hand back there. Awesome. Thank you. Anyone else today? Don't leave this place out of relationship with God. Just pop your hand up. We'll pray for you. Is there a third hand over there? Somewhere. I see a hand back there. Awesome. Three. Oh, there it is. I see it. Yep. I see it. Three. Awesome. Thank you. Anybody else today? All right. Let's all pray together so no one's praying by themselves. Would you pray this prayer with me, please? Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize I've sinned, that I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you celebrate that? Awesome. Welcome home. Congratulations. Welcome home. God has heard it. He has received you. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening, and God bless.